I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thanks for coming along today. Um, in, it's a celebration for our 500th podcast, which is quite mental when you think about it. Um, How many years is that then? It was 2013. March of 6, 2013. Mar- of course, Gareth remembers that. Oh, we'll remember. yeah, the exact date and time it. and everything. Um, so we're, we're grateful that you, the people listening, we've, we've got to the stage uh, where we are now. We're nice and cosy in a nice little in a little setting like that. So make sure you come up and, and speak to us if you want, and we'll have a drink afterwards and stuff. We've got no real time limit on, on things tonight. We're just going to see what happens. We're going to wing it, as you said, didn't we? Always the best way, Steve. Always the best way. You're living back in Sunderland slaves now, aren't you? Of course. I was always going to come back, wasn't I? What a place to live, eh? Yeah, just to build a better house, though. I'm living with the in-laws at the moment, so uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping these builders will hurry up. Can we show our appreciation for Stephen Elliott, first of all, please? <laughs> right, it's been a bit of a quiet day today, Sleeves. Any, any, um, it's been a while since you've been on. You haven't been on this season because of your, court, your coaching's getting in the way and stuff like that. I don't want people to think you're falling out, Ross, it's just because you're not available on the nights we do it, right? Well, that's what you told me anyway. Well, do you want the truth, yeah? <laughs> Is that on? Yeah, if you turn it on. What are you trying to say, Frankie? <laughs> now, yeah, I've, I've missed a few of the podcasts. I actually did pick up a bit of that uh, neurovirus last week, so I actually was going to turn up until I got hold of the flu. So, But now, yeah, I've turned just down a few times. I apologise for that. Hopefully, I'll get back on in the near future. Media, tra- it, media train, media train, that if ever heard one, wasn't you're it? You're on again? it now, so I mean, <laughs> you've achieved the goal. <laughs> well, I'm on the 500 show, so I'm, I'm very, very proud to be here. And fair play, just doing that many. So, your opinion then? We haven't spoken to you this season, Stephen, about where we are as a club and the and the, the situation. Obviously, Methens left today. Any any opinions on that straight away? Yeah, you all wanted us to go straight into that, yeah. right? No, I t- listen, I don't know. Everybody's aware of what's going on. There's a lot of noises being made behind the scenes and that, but it's looking from the outside in at the club, it's it's not really great at the minute, is it? You have gotta look at the football club, a huge football club, and it's kinda mid table in the in the tour division. It's it's abysmal and something has to be changed. Whether getting rid of Charlie Meffin is, is the right thing to do, time will tell. But I think it's a start of hopefully seeing a little bit more positivity around the place because over the last few weeks it's been nothing but negativity and it hasn't helped anybody involved with the club. How, cons- how early were you concerned about the ownership and about the way everything things are gone? Because last season you 
you seemed okay with it. Yeah, yeah, well, I think everybody was was happy enough last year when when the new owners came in. There was there was a great buzz around the place. A lot of support. All the supporters had made themselves clear about wanting Ellis Short out of the club and kind of a fresh start. Obviously, getting relegated down to the tour division wasn't wasn't ideal, but there was hope last year the way the team were playing that we, that we were looking really strong to get back up, back kind of back up to the championship by first attempt and. Realistically, towards the end of last season, that was still kind of highly possible. And the fact that the club failed to kind of grow out of the division last year was was a, was a big, I think, it was a big problem. And it was one of them where you're thinking, "Oh God!" Because ultimately, you look at the squad last year. I would say it was probably stronger last year than w- what we have at the minute. So, were you worried in the summer when we start to lose players like Lee Catamall and a little bit because Matthews? Yeah, because I just think sometimes like, you look at players like that, they're hard to replace and. I think you have to look at some of the players. You only have to look at the list of the players that have been recruited into the club since since the new owners have come in. Like nothing against the lads, that a lot of them probably dream moves to come to a club like. Go on, so, name one. Uh, where do I start? In Baldwin, for example, I'm sure he's a nice fella. Like, but ultimately, like every, every time he played a game, you could tell he wasn't up to kind of playing. In my opinion, as, as I said, football's all about opinions and. Everyone's entitled to one, but for me, when you sign somebody like him, he just he wasn't good enough. To, and I kind of you, you go along with that. The likes of Leuven's, Glenn Leuven's coming in, another guy similar age to myself to give him a, a two-year deal. I don't know. It was kind of like having to get the club out of the division at that that kind of last season. Otherwise, after that, there wasn't really a plan B. And ultimately, this season is kind of a consequence of that. Jeez, Leaves. What you? You do get that thing as a fan, though, because in the summer you would have been like, "Oh well, it, it's it it, it is going to be better." We have strength in this area, you have strength in that area. You do convince yourself, don't you? Because you've got that optimism and hope, and that going into the new season generally, and you do tend to give yourself a little bit of leeway, don't you, in, in that regard? And you kind of go, oh, "Well, yeah, we got rid of this person. We got what we need to do for these reasons." And then we brought this person in. He's got this pedigree, and I'm sure that you know he's done this and he's done that, and I'll be all right. Um, I do feel as though a little bit like the, you know, the, the rhetoric around the club and the ownership and stuff like that bought into that a little bit and kind of manipulated it a little bit so like you know they can they can <coughs> kind of ride on the crest of that wave a bit of people's optimism like which is you know football fan optimism is generally based in nothing so because you know rarely teams win anything apart from the the, the same old ones who win anything so it just does feel a little bit like. We are sort of prone as football fans having the wool pulled over our eyes, and it feels as though that's something that's been going on for but maybe a long time. Gareth, I think last last year, I think you got to look back the last kind of probably this time last year. I think a big thing for the club was when Josh Madgett and I'd be going. He'd scored, I think, fifteen goals for the club from the sixteen was it? Sorry, sixteen goals for the club from the start of the season till before Christmas, and that that's that's a lot of goals kind of in a football team and. Listen, he was a huge player. People talked about him not really being the the, the, the complete striker, but for me, he was because he was scoring goals every week, half a chance, and he was putting the ball in the net. And he was partly the reason why Sunderland were getting results in that first first period of the season. And I said, I'm not totally aware of what kind of contract or what the situation was with himself for the agent, but the, not getting him signed up till the end of the season was a huge mistake. Obviously, hindsight is a great thing. You can look back and say, if only, if only. But I think whoever was making the decisions at the club, I think the, sometimes, especially when in that forward position, when players are informed or scoring goals, you, you sometimes just have to kind of maybe do something that doesn't feel quite right just to, 
just to get the club out of the division. Like, and to lose a player like Josh Madger, all them goals out of the club was a big ass to replace. And I know, obviously, Will Grigg had come in with, with uh, great potential and great pedigree at this level, but it hasn't, for one reason or another, quite worked out for him so far. And I think that was a big, big start of the kind of downfall last year, and even towards the end of last season. It was a huge chance missed. The, the, the team, I think, at times, the. the a couple of them, even three or four of them draws into wins and the club are going to go up automatically and the club itself made a mistake, that was the, whether it was the management, Jack Ross when he was here and some of the players maybe just not doing quite enough but it was always going to be an uphill struggle this season and it's been proven whereas I think last year was a really, really big missed opportunity and I think Obviously, like I said, hindsight is a great thing, but Josh Madger should have been kept on till the end of the season alone because even then, if he hadn't scored any more goals from Christmas till the end of the season, he would have been under contract and there would have been a lot of money paid from him in the summer if he still wanted to go. So for me, that was a huge mistake by the club. Do you think that was our first mistake? Because the owners come in and they're quite bullish about everything and it was all sticking your chest out and where you're Sunderland and we're too big for this and we're too big for that. And we all bought into it to an extent, some, some more than others, but... When Josh Madger, we, we knew his contract was up, and they went public and said he has until this time to sign a contract, and that backfired on them, didn't it? Do you yeah. think that was where things started to unravel? Probably, yeah, and I don't think you, Josh, Josh Madger's a young lad as well, so obviously he's been dictated by his, his agent or his representatives, and they're telling him what to do and that, but ultimately he should have given the contract, whether it was a little bit more than what, he was, what, what the club were willing to pay, they should have paid it. For me, a striker scoring goals, if, if, if they had kept Josh Madger last year, I think the club would have been promoted. I think he was in the in great vein of form, young, kind of played with a freedom, didn't let the crowd bother him because he, you, when you're young, you just play with that freedom, it, nothing really affects you. And then you bring in a big money signing and straight away there's pressure with the whole kind of the song. I think the song kind of put pressure on him along with the Will Griggs song because everybody's waiting for the song and it just didn't quite come along. And it, it's, it's, I felt a bit sorry for Grigg last season because it just... It just didn't happen for him, and ultimately, the club just didn't have enough quality towards the end of the season. They just set back, and it was really for even the playoff final. Um, they were there for the beating and practically gave us a lead. And we just—I don't know—it was like a, it just didn't quite believe that, that that we could go up. And obviously, that stemmed from obviously maybe the management staff into the players, and obviously losing a few players like like we did in the summer. And the, the players that have come in haven't quite kind of lived up to the expecta- expectancy that a club like Sutton kind of. Well, the standards expected in this division, especially. So, what do you think it is with Greg? What do you? Th- what, what's the issue? Do you think? Is it the style of football? Is it something with him personally? Can he not handle the pressure of playing for a club this size? Or um, I don't know, Will Greg personally. Said, but looking at him, you, you can't turn around to me and tell me he looks like a, a player that's happy to be at the club. But I know, I know that the manager has come out and says he. That's just the way he is. That's his demeanour, his personality. But. You got to help yourself sometimes, especially as a forward. If you're not scoring goals, you got to do a little bit. You got to help yourself a little bit, kind of. You got to give a little bit back at times. You know what I mean? It's like it's all fine saying, yeah, the, 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 I don't get too excited if I score a goal, this, that, and the other. But ultimately, you're up front. You're the you're the kind of you're the start. You're the start of the team. You're the start of the defence. You're the start of the attack, and everything is kind of dictated by how you react. And if I'm if I'm a player in Sunderland now at the moment, I look up and Will Griggs. I'm not. He's not filling me with confidence. Never mind that he's not scoring goals, but it's just his body language, his demeanour on the pitch, and that he would be seen as one of the senior lads, somebody with a lot more experience at these level. Like like we say, he scored lots of goals at this level. He's got to do more. There's a young squad playing at a club like Sunderland. There's big big expectancy, and maybe he can't do it. I'm not sure. I don't know. But it looks to me as if he just he just doesn't seem happy and. 
when you're not happy, it's very hard to play well because you need to be playing. I think you need to play with a smile on your face. You've got to be happy. You're, you're like, you should be privileged to be kind of running out at the stage of my life in front of 30,000 every week. It's, it's, it's something that it's a great thing. And if, if, when people say, oh, he's not happy and he doesn't want to be here, he's away from his family. But listen, it's, it's a short career. You, you need to do more. And I'm not just blaming Will Grigg. It sounds like I'm digging oh, him out. But ultimately, he is, he is the kind of, he was the star sign. And, and you pay that amount of money. It's not his fault the club paid that money. It was probably overpriced. But you've got to do a little bit more and find something that makes him tick. And to be fair to Parkinson, he has stuck with him. But there comes a time where you think, do you know what, maybe this isn't working. Well, and you look it's, at part, it's part of that, though, because yeah, there's nobody else, is there? I yeah, mean, well, absolutely. There's obviously injuries. Uh, Charlie Wyke. See, he's back in contention well this is the thing with Charlie I know Charlie I played with Charlie at Carlisle and he's a, he's a good lad he's a, he's a kind of a good standard league one player but who, the recruitment wise we signed the player and he had a, had a long term injury he missed, missed a lot of football when we first signed him came back in got injured again through no fault of his own then come back and play so we've not really seen enough of Charlie White to kind of decide whether he's been a success or not but ultimately you'd have to say he's been a failure because he hasn't been on the pitch he so, doesn't score goals either, does he? So well, he hasn't scored goals because he, he don't score goals in the physio room, mate. You know, so but no. I mean, when he has played, no, though, no, yeah, and it's it's. it's he, but he hasn't. He hasn't. His goal records are not better than Griggs. Yeah, no, but he, he he might suit the way Phil Parkinson is looking to play, and I think. Can that you tell me what that is out of interest? Because I'm I'm struggling to work enough, it out. I mean, well, it's it's not great. Obviously, everybody <laughs> watches them week in week out. It's abysmal. Like some, I, I think, uh, some of the clubs that are kind of torn and sundering over quite easy now. It's. That's the sad state of affairs that the club is at at the moment. The likes of Lincoln, um, Wickham, no disrespect to these clubs, um, Shrewsbury, Oxford in the cup. It's it's like, how how is this kind of happening? But again, I don't know what the answer is. I think Charlie White coming back fit could be, in my opinion, that might be Phil Partington's last roll of the dice because I think he's really under pressure if, if he loses the next the next game and then I don't know. Do the, can the club stick with a manager that potentially could lose? could win three of his first 12 games in this division. I don't know. I know people say he's only just in the door, but look at Watford. They got rid of the manager quite soon and because he wasn't getting results. Sometimes you've got to act quick, but I'm not making these decisions. And again, I don't know who is making these decisions. Well, that's, that's the, the issue, thing. isn't it? So with yeah. the, I mean, we got rid of us because we wanted someone who could win games, not just win games, but win them convincingly. And we've gone from winning and drawing to just not well, he's got an 18% win ratio or something. Well, what I mean, is it's infinitely worse than what we had before. Listen, I'm not saying that Jack, Jack Ross should have been kept on because ultimately I think it was, it was getting a bit stale with Jack. There was a little bit of a kind of feeling that he kind of, last year he's, he's missed his chance. And I think Jack Ross was a good man. I think he might go on and have a, have a decent career in management. We don't know. He's still a young coach and he always came across really well when he spoke and that. So I wouldn't kind of speak badly of Jack Cross. I think it was the right time for him to part with the club. But ultimately, you have to look at what's, what... When he, when he went, I think everybody was expecting somebody to come in and kind of lift the place and a kind of a, a... I don't know, like somebody were a little bit more than... More charisma. Yeah, maybe. But the thing for me is, like, if you're sacking a manager, you have to have a. Pl- I know you're not meant to speak to these guys, but you have to have a plan in place. For me, there wasn't really a plan in place. You sacked the manager because, in my opinion, I think the the noises that were being made by by certain supporters probably swayed the owners' decisions on that one. And ultimately, it's looked like a bad decision now because of how bad the, the team have been since Parkinson has come in. But. I don't know. It's, is that just because they've picked the wrong manager, basically? Well, yeah, I think that it was a perfect opportunity there to maybe push the boat out, get a, a big kind of... Who, 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 who did you have your eye on? Anybody? Well, I, 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 anybody but Parkinson, to be honest <laughs> with you. 
No, no, but like. Well, why? Well, I mean, Stendhal. No, but like I mean, there was, yeah, but Stendhal, Stendhal. There was other lads just, just him. Just but I look at example. even. I, I know I mentioned probably going on overground. Probably not everybody's cup of, tea, cup of tea. But like the likes of Mick McCarthy there. He's an Ireland manager. I see Stoke have gone for the dual management with um, Michael O'Neill, but. Listen, Mick would have come in and got more out of that squad. I guarantee I know walking and there was other lads had Did he ask the question of Roy Keane? Would he come in? He says he wouldn't have mind doing it. Like, obviously, I know Kevin Phillips. That would have been a big kind of fan pleaser to being no experience in the game, obviously. But at this stage, would he have done any worse than what's happening at the moment? And the, he, he, What would have happened, though, if you had if you appointed somebody with that little bit more of a kind of aura about them, there would have been a buzz created in the ground, in the stadium, in the city. And players feed off that, that, that electric energy. Players feed, trust me, I've been there when Roy came in. You do feed off that as a player, and, and sometimes you need that little bit of lift, that little bit, fuck, man, he's going to kick fuck out of me if I don't start running about here, whereas I don't... I don't, I don't know, know if anyone else has that effect that Roy Keane has. No, but you, know, but you know what I mean, like, whereas like, when Phil well, Park... He, I thought he was going to be here in RB, wasn't he? <laughs> No, but it's like when Phil Phil Partons comes in, it doesn't really get people off the edge of the seat. And it wasn't like usually when a new manager comes in, everybody's buzzing, going to the ground, and there's an excitement again. And it just didn't didn't feel that that way. And ultimately, the results aren't going well. And listen, it's it's difficult. It's a difficult job when you come in. And no disrespect to the squad of players there. They're, they're in my opinion, they're a, they're a bang average League One team at the minute, and they're showing that by their performances. But I think there was a chance there for the club to create that little bit of electric energy in the city, and they they turned it down, which was a big mistake. The thing the thing is, though, when when we made the change, it was it was all about well, this this squad should be much better than fifth or sixth in League One, and then we get this situation. And it's like, oh well, all the players are crap. It's like, well, which one is it? Like. Like you say, all we need we needed somebody to come in and just give an extra ten percent out of them. But Garrett, whether the it was whether it was, you know, somebody with experience or you know, I'm not saying that you you necessarily need to appoint like someone like Kevin Phillips or whatever just to give people a lift because that can go as badly as it can go. Well, yeah, but you don't know until you try. You don't, you don't know until you try, and obviously they've gone. And, and the point is, when Stuart Donald went on to Total Sport after the the sacking of Jack Ross and said that. The, the question was, what kind of manager are you looking to appoint? And his immediate answer was, someone who's going to get us promoted. Firstly, you cannot guarantee that the manager you appoint is going to get you promoted. So it's not really an answer. Um, and I made this point before. It's all very well saying, oh, well, you employ someone like Phil Parkinson. Yeah, he's, th- this fic- it's a fictional record. His, his average in that division is at 1.9 points per game, which I think is about the same or fewer than Jack Ross achieved in his first season at this level. He's been promoted twice in what sixteen years from this division. Um, although he did stabilise Colchester in the championship. But you got. Um, a- <laughs> um, but uh, the the point is, I'm trying to make. I guess is you, you when you're at the ground and you're going to the game and you want to enjoy the match in some capacity. The problem is if you employ somebody who doesn't play very good football but get results, and then they do not get results, all you are watching is an average League One team not getting results, well, and nobody, want, nobody wants to see that. But Garrett, so the thing it's is a, as well, it's a, it's a, it was a waste of time appointment. But the, I'm saying, for me, whoever is making the football decisions, I don't know exactly who there is at the moment, but whoever's making it should have recognised the new man. This should have been all in place by getting rid of Ross. They should have had a plan in place... I'm not, I don't know for sure if they did have a plan, but by the amount of time... Like the way Spurs yeah, well, Pochettino yeah, and then Mourinho away, walked so you in know the, same, the same day. Yeah, I'm not saying you can compare it to Spurs, obviously. It's a total I wasn't different. saying we're bringing Mourinho. No, but I'm just saying... You, 
Pochettino is still available, though. So, you, you do know. need a plan, though. You've got to recognise the squad of players that are, are available to the Sunday manager now. They're not really suited to the way, well, wherever way that is, that Phil Parkinson wants to play. And uh, for me, you look at the players on the pitch at the minute, and they look a little bit confused, too. And straight away, that creates kind of that creates little clicks in the team because. When, when things aren't going well, like people look to dig each other out, and I look at that squad of players there, and I'm looking for the real leaders. Like, for example, we mentioned Aidan McGee. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of Aidan's, but I have to say this year he, he's been like a different player. He doesn't look like anywhere near the player he was last season. Now, for me, somebody has to come in and get him playing to the best of his ability because he still could be the key to getting out of this league and we need to find somebody that can get him playing again because at the moment he looks a quarter of the player he was last year and he's a big, big top quality player at this level and we're not seeing anywhere well, near I'm sure you think, I mean, I don't think he's anywhere near as good but Maguire looks completely disinterested as well uh, Max Power, whatever you think about him he looks like he gives a shit at least he's screaming at people on Tuesday against Burton because he doesn't know where he's supposed to be let alone any, anyone else and I have never seen a football team supporting Sunderland, and I've seen some crap teams supporting Sunderland. I've never seen a team where the gaps between midfield and forward and then defence and midfield are so huge. There's, like, no partnerships well, on the pitch anywhere. Watch it, watching that game against Burton, it was like... when In the 15-point season, we used to try and play out from the back, and we couldn't. So we'd get to, like, the halfway line and give the ball away. So we couldn't even get out of our half. And it was a bit like that. I mean, we, I don't yeah, know. If you, like were, you, were you at the Burn? I, was at the you, I watched you Steve's played in that team. Well, if you want to ask, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. well, actually, no, he didn't because Andy Gray and uh, Steve uh, and no, uh, John like Stead came the thing instead. Is but but my point my point is, you were at that game, and you go to a lot of Sunderland games. I can't remember, and, and I've been going for twenty odd years, whatever. I can't remember seeing a team disintegrate. And, and we've been in some terror, and we've been even when we got beat off like Villa and we're four 0 down at half time. We didn't disintegrate that badly in that game compared to and that. And we Burton didn't disintegrate game. against the League One Burton well, team exactly. that were fifteenth. They were like they weren't even close to us in the division. It's not like we were playing a good team in form. The shite. The worst to be, to be honest with you, though, right? Absolutely appalling. You look at Bo- I be when I was going to the, I was going to that Borton game. I said to myself, I did not expect Sunderland to win. The, I don't know about you. I didn't expect Sunderland no. to win on the current form purely because Borton had a plan, right? They have a they have a way of playing, which they proved last year as well when they came to the stadium. Like they've, they're actually quite some of the stuff they play is quite pleasing, and they're not superstars playing like this, but they're players that know their roles. You look at the guy that scored the winner, Boyce. I think. Um, He's not a superstar, like he's he's probably a typical League One player. He's a Northern Ireland international. Yeah, he's a Northern Ireland international. Yeah, he's a. Souls McLaughlin and Will Gleig, Will Greg and Flanagan. Nah, but like, what my my point is, like, you look at him and he was head and shoulders above any of our attacking players. And I was watching him thinking, look at him, he's eager for. And I know sometimes, yeah, it's a bit easier away team come to the stage in Malai and there's no real pressure on you. The Sunderland are under pressure to get results and you can play. But they had. I just mentioned boys because I thought he played really well on the on the day. They had energy about them. They had a hunger to Aikens get in the ball. as well. The, the yeah. player played well. I mean, they had Stephen Quinn, like a little little yeah. guy in midfield. He dictated the game. He, again, he's thirty three. His legs are gone, but he still managed to dictate the game against against our so called. I know Grant played. He, he's getting on a bit as well. Where our so called kind of younger player. It's just it's just so frustrating to watch. And like you say, there there seemed to be no plan on how you like you, you're watching Sunderland play at the minute, and you you don't expect. Any goals to be scored because you don't see how they're going to create chance. Like to be fair to Will Grigg, it is difficult for him because balls are getting lashed up by uh, Lee Borge, and I think he, he found he, he had his stand finders on for half the game against Borton. But is he being told by the management staff to just launch along? But 
okay, it's fine if you're launching along up the Quinney or Big Coiler or somebody like that, but it's when you're hitting up the Grig who can't run. Well, it looks like you can't run anyway, so it's, it's, it's just horrible, man, and it's sad to see. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Have you ever played for a manager who has been that direct in their instructions said, we want to go along? Yeah, I, play, I played on the so, team. So, yeah. is that an actual, so, so somebody, you've played for managers, obviously, like, look to play the ball for the midfield and stuff, where they actually say, don't do that. We're going to go along, hit the channels, hit the target. Yeah, but like, the thing is, when you're playing football, right, you can go, just go along like, from, from Lee Boyd picking the ball up and lashing along. That's going along direct. But you can go along in a kind of a pass in a long way. Like, for example, look at Liverpool the other night. Did anybody watch them? I know we're, again, talking about one of the best teams in the world at the minute. Their centre-halves, the midfield, they're lashing long balls, but they're like, the long passes, whereas Sonnen, they're just lashing it. Like, the, the lads are just kicking the ball because they're just kicking it and hoping it, and the, the, the energy in midfield just isn't there to pick up second balls. You, went, you mentioned Maguire there when he plays for me. He looks overweight. He can't get around the pitch. Don't get me wrong. He has quality in and around the box. He can hit a free kick, and he, he scored some really good goals, but he looks fat. For to me, like he looks like as a player, he looks. Uh, you're looking at him and you're thinking he shouldn't be like that. He should be energetic, running around, buzzing around. To me, he looks the type of player that thinks, you know, what, I'm not, I'm not up for this. I'm, which is for me, it's I'm, it makes me upset to see it because I'm thinking well, nobody should, no, nobody in that squad of players should ever have the divine right to think they're too good to play with. So I think a few of them kind of have a little bit that bit of that about them, and it's just really frustrating. And none of them would be here if we were in League One. Well, so you know. Th- they should be seeing the opportunity to come to Sunderland. Is this is the only chance in my career I'm going to get to play for a club at the stature of Sunderland? And like, did, did they want to lose so we can well, stay in League One? No, but that's that's, 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 that's yeah. never going to play. This is the thing I, I mentioned on the on the BBC yeah. Total Sports Show there a few, a few weeks back. You're watching them, and you you would think that sometimes there's a lot of players that were contract this season. Now I'm not I'm not saying this is guaranteed, but sometimes subconsciously as a player you're thinking, you know what? If we don't go up, I might get another year here playing in this great, great stage and lovely academy, swimming pool in the academy. Kind of, it's a cushy little life as a new footballer lift. playing. Well, hopefully new a new lift, lift new, yeah. new roof. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but no, yeah. So I think some of the players are they going to ru- like are they going to run through a wall to get promoted? Or because ultimately, I think if the club get promoted, the majority of them will be shipped off. Well. I would say I don't think they're good enough to compete in the championship this squad of player. That's that's only my opinion, obviously. But I think some of them might be thinking, you know, if we stay down and it's not the end of the world, we might get another year or two. Well, I don't know. We're in a position now. Well, we're in a position now where we're talking about Sunderland have a squad that aren't good enough to compete in Division Two, man. That, that's 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 where we are now. The, the drop off between Ross and um, I can't remember his name. I'm not unbothered by him, Parkinson. Um, 
the drop off between Ross and Parkinson slaves is is that it's hard not to think that is down to management, isn't it? Because it's been so vast. Like, what well, you can't go from lo- from losing three games in a year, whatever it was, to to the to the record they're on now, and not think that's something to do with a change in management. I don't, I don't know what the problem is. As I said, like you're, you're looking at there, you're trying to figure out how it can be fixed. Obviously, for me, for a start, I don't like if they, if they lose tomorrow, Sunderland lose tomorrow. I, I can't see how you can. I know you're saying give January till January comes around, but for would me, would you sack him if we lost tomorrow? I'd sack him tomorrow. I would. Like, not listen. I, I just think nah because you you, you got it. Sometimes you wait and then you hope and you wait, and before you know it, this season will be gone. Like, do we want another? Like, you need somebody to come in and whether the, the money's there to kind of sack him and bring a new guy in that will be good enough. Like, we don't, like you say, nobody's going to guarantee the club We're promotion. loaded, aren't we? Well, uh, but the thing is, you, the club needs a lift. The, cl- the club, for me, I've described, it's a bit of a shit show at the moment, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It is, you're looking at it and you're, you're thinking, and like, you're thinking, what's, what's going to happen? Like, for example, that, that news coming out today, like, oh, one of the directors is stepping away for personal reasons, if that's the case. You, you, we don't know the, the whole ins and outs, but it's just one thing after another, and it's like, Okay, right. All that, all this distraction away on the outside. Never mind the pitch. Like, yeah, it's not great for the lads that are actually on the pitch as well. It shouldn't affect them, but it seems to be infecting them. And there's no real kind of leadership right from the top of the club right down the middle. It's like it seems like nobody's taking responsibility. The questions are being asked, and it's transparent answers. And I don't know. It's for me, the players. Though ultimately, it comes down to the players on the pitch. They're the ones that can affect that. And if this management team that's there at the moment can't get results, then they need to be removed. But then, right though, like who do we bring in? So if Parkinson was the best available, right? He's free, he's available. Who the hell's left? Who they're gonna? Who they? Who is this recruitment team? Whether it be players or management, who are they gonna find? I know that's not our responsibility as supporters to identify that, but I'd be very worried that the people in charge of the football club actually possibly know less than we do. And I know nothing about League One level managers. Well, the only the only thing I would say after Jack Ross going and the kind of before Parkinson was appointed, all the name. Is there even a plan in place if they get rid of the, rid of this guy? I'm, I'm not sure if there is. Like like you say, who do, who does come in? It's it's a tough question because to get the, the guy that comes in has to be something. For me, if, we're talking about the manager. If he's not here, he's still here. We got to have a little bit of respect for him, obviously. <laughs> but ultimately, it's not like it's getting recorded or anything. <laughs> No, but you, you do. You're, watch, you're watching the team, and right. Okay, we talked about the club being a league one stand. There is players in that that team that I think should be performing a little bit better than what they are. Right? There is. Like we mentioned, Luke, for me, Luke O'Neill. Right? I don't think he's the greatest player in the world, but I, I, I don't think anybody could argue he's been Sunderland's best player over the last four or five months. And he looks like the only one that really kind of gives a shit out there on the pitch. He, he is a little bit annoying the way he smiles all the time and and, and stuff like that. But ultimately, on the pitch, like I, I'd make him captain. I'd make him captain on the pitch because he's the only one on the pitch that looks like he has anything about him. And if anything, if, if you go off on what people players do on the pitch, then he's your leader on the pitch. And no, there's nobody, there's no one else in that squad at the minute for me that is putting as much into the games as he is. I don't know how people react to this, but have you ever come across Ian Holloway before? Or do you know? Yeah, I just played against his teams a couple of times. Never walked. Would people have that or not? The, the thing is, with Ian he's Holloway, a character, me, isn't he? I just think like he always. Speaks well of Sunderland and Ian Holloway, and whenever you listen to his former players and stuff, they, they always but they always say. Listen, well, let's, let's, if you let us finish, Gareth. Um, so they um, they always speak and say he he makes them feel good about themselves, and I think 
where we were with Ross, that's what we needed. Someone just to polish that up a little bit. He plays in a way where we keep the football. He's got experience in this division. In fact, so you can shake your head you and stuff. You, listen, you can shake your head and stuff, but like, look at a Phil Parkinson, right? Teams in what division would have given him a job? League 2, arguably. And we've given him a job. If Ian Holloway was going to get a job next, where would it be? Championship. Which is the division above where we are now, no? Yeah, Ian Holloway, listen, he's a great character. He he's he done really good things at Blackpool when he was in there. He had spells at some big clubs. So he's he managed I think he managed Leicester as well, another big club. So he's experienced in managing a club with with pressure on him. So I wouldn't rule him out like it but again we have to the manager's not gone as of yet, so we can't speak. Put your hand up if you think the manager will be here by January. For the listeners, there's about six or seven people. Of course he will. Like the, the, of course now, he will. We're loaded, man. <laughs> Did you not hear? Did you not hear? Two and a half. Two and a half. What, and and a half well. yeah, we've, got, we've, we've signed this... And, like I'm sure I don't know what like he's like, the references blah blah he's a, blah. He's a loser. He's, he's been he's on. He's been loser. on. He's been on like the telly and like all the like pundits are doing that thing where they're like when they get a manager on on like the highlight show or whatever. It's always like oh god oh, he's such a great guy and I can't believe he's sitting here. He should be like at this team or that team or whatever. And you see this all the time with with like these types of managers and it's like oh I'm delighted that this person's got their opportunity at this club and all this. It's like it's not charity, mate. It's like we. Like we're going, we're going every week to watch this team, like at Sunderland at a level well below we've we've been playing at for in our entire history, and we're expected to like, well, give them a chance. It, it's not, it's it's not like a you know a, a charity raffle like give somebody an opportunity to manage a football club for a few months. He's been given a two and a half year deal, and the 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 criteria for the manager coming in was to get promoted. There's nothing. Nobody, nobody can deny that that was the case. The reason we sat Ro- Jack Ross was because it didn't look like he was going to get us automatically promoted, and the reason we brought the manager in apparently was because he can get us promoted. And it ultimately, does it look like he's going to get promoted at the moment? Yes or no? Well, he's he's not, is he? No, we're not going up this season. The season's over. Absolutely no way. If, he, if he if he gets us promoted this season. Go on, what oh, I, honestly, what will you do? yeah. What will you do? I, I will eat a tin of cold Wessler's tin burgers <laughs> if we get promoted this season. No, we want more than that. Like. <laughs> yeah, I will eat two tins of Wessler's tin burgers cold if we get promoted this season. But the, mm. like, the go- it's playoffs are best. Like, and uh, to be honest it, with it's, you, it's season, absolutely, season absolutely, it, it, who who think who thinks we'll be in in the championship next season? No, you don't, Chris. There's one hand up in the room. Well, I, 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 but, yeah. Do you know what I? T- <laughs> Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a different manager or with this one? And was, was the, the only thing I would say, it's a poor division. The standard of teams, like you look at, there's no great, great team. So the fact that the matter is that we're still in touch and distance. It's worse of the playoffs. than last season. A lot worse it's, than last the season. Why this the division, clu- isn't it? why the club is still in touch and distance of the playoffs is because of how poor, poor the league is. But we sh- Sunderland shouldn't be like in this situation. It's like Sunderland should be like 
they should be getting 100 points in this division. Do you know that? They should be able to attract the players to get out of this league. Quick. And I know it's all fine. And Leeds spent a few years at this division when they were there for a while. But we don't want to be Leeds, is it? Like, nobody wants to spend years in this division. And I know when they first got into this division, it was a bit of crack, win a few games, new stadiums. Supporters like, what was it, rocking all over League One bollocks? Like, come on. Do you know, do, do you know what I mean? Like, but ultimately, Sunderland shouldn't be anywhere near this division. It's a huge, huge club. And it's only when you kind of come up and, and you're part of the club and you see what it means to people here and that's why I said going back to the appointment of the manager there was about time there to appoint somebody that got got the club a little bit the club needed a lift right Parkinson for me was the was the wrong decision to make. Probably no, the lift. No, but like what I'm saying, but <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> You're not on that band, I guess, are you? Good one, Gary. Yeah. No, but I'm saying the club it was a chance to make a real statement there to the club, getting the balance right, getting somebody in that has a bit of passion about them, a real passion to get everybody on side again, to lift the place, as well as having a, a bit of a plan how to play. And ultimately, from what we've seen so far, this guy couldn't be any way further from that. Is is charisma important to people in, in your manager? It's, I was careful of asking that because it sounds a bit cliched almost, doesn't it? But it is, isn't it? And when you look at Parkinson now, do you look at you look at Moyes and you look at Wilkinson, don't you? That level of charisma and that it, turned out well in both what, cases. Well, sleeves. <laughs> Obviously, we're eleven games in now, right? And you've been in plenty of dressing rooms. You've been moved around all over the place. Plenty of relegation teams. Yeah, plenty of relegation <laughs> battles and all that. Not being picked in plenty of relegation battles. What? Watch as soon as you've seen someone come in and everyone go, no. Oh, uh, Darren Ferguson at Preston. He just came in like uh, Alan Irvin had uh, been sacked when he was at Preston. Darren, Fer- no, Darren Ferguson, I think he's... Peterborough. Peterborough now, back at Peterborough for his Third fourth, time or something, fourth, yeah. fourth stint, but I've never seen anybody come in and lose a dressing room the way he did. Like How quickly? Literally two days. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, he came in... <laughs> he came into the dressing room right, at Preston. Right, with, there was a we had, we just we just failed in the playoffs the, the season before he'd come in, and uh, we we got knocked out in the semi final of the championship playoffs. So and we Alan Irvin, who was a manager at the time, a bit of a boring guy, bored a bored a life out. You chatting, but he had he had a game plan, and he was uh, he was all right as long as you didn't get stuck in a lift with him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, he was uh, he, he was he was a good manager, and obviously there was there was a lot there was a lot of interest in him. Um, after that that season, because he'd obviously done well, we're a, we're a, we're a decent, and we were an okay championship team. Looking back, we're actually a very good team. But you never like when you're playing in a team, you never you believe in yourself. But you always think it's going to be tough. But we had some really good good um, championship players, like it was like myself, like Neil Mellor, like there was a few Sean Saint Ledger, decent decent squad of players. Chris Sedgwick, who done well, Paul McKenna. But this guy came in. Uh, Darren Ferguson, and he's one of these guys that just tried to make a statement too soon. So he basically s- wanted to bring in all his own players, and he basically got told all the senior lads, listen, I think they wanted to get a bit of a wage cut on the club at that time, but he told, there was a way of doing things, like, fair enough, you can kind of filter players out. Because we weren't doing that bad, we got off to a poor enough start, but there was a great kind of camaraderie in the dressing room, but this guy came in and um, basically said to the senior lads, myself included, listen, we don't want you here, we don't want you part of the team. And he actually built a little dressing room for us in the old washer-dryer room. So we literally got rid of the washing machine and the dryer. And he put a little bench in, and we all had to go and get changed there in the, in the, in the oh, little so room. So once he told you he didn't want you anymore, he stuck you in a different oh, room? Oh, yeah, he stuck in a different room. We weren't even training with the first team. We were having to train with the U team for a few weeks. It was, it was, fuck, it was abysmal, really. Like, and, like, uh, that was why... He, 
ultimately his downfall. But anyway, like we used to obviously have the train and all that. He'd have all he brought in a few players, but he really lost the club there. Like and if the lads. Listen, he didn't realise at the time he brought in player like the, the lads that he was getting around, but the backbone of the camaraderie and the crack of the crack of, not that that's the be all and end all, but it does help like if you have players in the dressing room that are happy together. And he upended that straight away, and he just I think he just like, I think I say he tried to be his dad like he he, he kind of in as if he had this aura like um, as if he was like Sir Alex Ferguson, but everybody like was just looking going what a fucking wanker this guy is. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think he was just he was horrible. But like him, he lost us and ultimately he got rid of all the senior lads and and Preston got relegated that year right enough do you know what I mean down to league one so I think you can you can make listen that could have went the other way he could have brought new lads in and he could have went flying but it didn't happen but I see a little bit of that this not not saying Phil Parkinson as much of a fucking dickhead as as a what's his name again Fergie Maybe Junior was mainly? I mean you just well like, you don't know but the thing is for me it, it just the proof's in the pudding 11 games 2 wins in this level it's embarrassing it's embarrassing for but this we're, club. We're playing you know? a team on the weekend who we had uh, no shots on, no shots against. 120 the, minutes yeah, there a couple of weeks ago, wait, Gillingham. <laughs> but I, I think the other thing. What was that? Uh, but it was a higher level, wasn't it? It was, but when Allardyce came in, he came in off the back of a manager who wasn't doing well. Ross had a much better win rate well, than this guy. But it's, it's yeah, a but totally Sam Allardyce had charisma. <laughs> but there's a, yeah, no, you, I know you're saying, but it is context because there's a, there's a decline, though. So when, when you're already losing every week, and then it's three out of 11, it was even or yeah, slight and, progression. And you have to remember but now it's there, people, and it's gone like that. Pe- because people, won't accept, people won't accept two or three out of 11 under Sam Allardyce, who's a proven manager in the Premier League. So why are people willing to accept two out of 11 in League One? That, that would be my question. I'm not saying that people who are defending are willing to accept, by the way, because people will say you've got to give people opportunity to, to, to get their own... Well, but then you, I, I would argue you've got to earn your transfer window. You can't just be like, well, I'll write off three months and then I'll bring in some players, which, again, going back to the point of changing the manager, you can't guarantee that a manager's going to come in, apparently, even though managers can guarantee promotion now. Um, you can't guarantee that he's going to get promoted. So how are you going to guarantee that he's going to sign the players he wants? He can't. January's the hardest window to sign players in. The thing in. is as well, like, there's a lot of players in the Sunderland squad that, for me, haven't got a future at the club. And they're obviously picking up a bit of a wage here. And I would presume that to bring new players in, the club are going to have to ship out some of the squad because it's a big enough squad. But who's going to touch any of these players on probably what the wages well, they're earning here? It's, f- it's funny, I mean, the parallels, you know, with the parallels are... Strong with a pre- when we were in the Premier League, but we're in League One. It's a it's the same conversation. Who's going to take these players off our hands? Have we got any money to buy these players? Jack Rodwell are available in January. To, yes. <laughs> are we going to are we going to are we going to be able to do this? Are we going to do it? It's the same questions. Our recruitment needs to be better. Every time we drop, every time it's like we drop down. We drop down the Championship. Oh well, our recruitment p- players will kill to come to Sunderland and have an opportunity to play for us. Our recruitment's going to be better. And then in League One, oh, well, you know, we'll be able to waltz the league this year. We'll be able to sign this player. We're going to sign the best players in the league. And to be fair, we did bring in Will Grigg, who many would, many would argue would be a marquee signing for any club at this level, but it hasn't worked. And we did, when we spoke to Will, we did say, you know, if it doesn't go well, you will, people will go on your back. Well, you did. Well, yeah, you I did, yeah, yeah. Scared him into being as shit as he is, I think. <laughs> what we're going to say is, because I know people have got questions and stuff like that, we're going to have a break now. If you can get them down, so we're going to come around with quiz sheets and stuff, it's some blank... Uh, bits of paper or you can just know your own question but please try and have some for sleeves because the second part is you're going to be 
asking questions. I would say to the panel, but it's going to be for slaves, isn't it? So, uh, asking questions for slaves. The second gonna... part won't be recorded either if you listen to this. Yeah. So this, when, this means this means that next time you think, oh well, just listen to it. You need to come down because the juicy bits are in the. Se- I mean, some of the stuff Slaves has been telling us he's going to say in the second half <laughs> are obscene. It's, it's all I mean, coming off his chest. He's saying. And we're going to have I a can't quiz. Repeat a double I can't JD repeat it. Yeah, I can't repeat it while it's being recorded. Somebody buy him a double JD if you want to see him yeah. come to life. It's like Hollywood. We're going to do a quiz in dark. the break now. Thanks but for listening. We'll come back soon. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.